You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. We are back live on The Making of a Marketer. It is good to be with you. And I think this is a first, just a Monday episode. So I'm like coming in hot right now with the coffee. We double coffeeed it up. Whole bean from Duncan. Uh, Jess, if you didn't catch last week, we're both back in action again. It's summer. It's fun. It's festive. It's marketing season. So uh, ready to kick off another great episode today, Jess. Yes, I can't wait. I, I I don't have the caffeine hit, but I do have the hydration hit. So, you know, you always want to hydrate, especially in summer, like Tom Brady. So I have one of those hydration tablets in my, my water. So we do that. We try to, I try to double water for every coffee. So anything that's not water too, you know, I'm, I'm good about the sugary drinks. Um, you know, the, the beers are restricted to Friday through Saturday on the weekends, but like whatever you're doing outside of hydration, you just double it up. So if you keep that, you keep that running, you're good. So um, a good reminder, because I probably am a little heavy on coffee today. Um, but Let's get to it. We're talking summer marketing today. So, you know, I know Spirit Halloween's opening and fall season's around the corner and pumpkin spice is being sold, but just, we just, we just, I'm not there yet. So I'm still mentally in summer. I know you're still mentally in summer. So we're bringing Zane Bidiwala on today to talk about some summer marketing. And Zane and I go about four, five, actually probably five years back now. Um, and we worked on a handful of different campaigns when uh, Zane was with Visit Houston as a social media mastermind. I was with Space Center Houston. And just a fun story, Zane, to bring you in is I always just thank you because I consider this era of my social media as a lot of me trying things, seeing what would work, a little bit news of travel and tourism. It also was a little bit education focused. And the work that you did and how we partnered together, you really brought me in and took me in almost as it's like a seasoned veteran in, in the world that you had been working in for several years. And it was like just really cool to be a part of what you're doing at Visit Houston. So I'm excited to have you here to, to pick your brain and we can kind of look back on some of the things we did and you know, also talk about just the strategies in play when we're talking summer marketing. 
That sounds great. And first of all, thanks so much for having me, Andy, Jess, looking forward to it. Uh, we were joking right before this that uh, first time for a long time listener, first time caller. So <laughs> looking forward to the to the fun. So let's just take it back. Uh, let's talk about your intro into social media. You've, you know, worked for uh, you know a handful of different brands. You've, you've crossed over to some different marketing verticals. Tell us just how you got into social media, seeing how that's evolved. And, you know, something we'll talk about today is like myself, you were in that organic game before we started throwing, you know, chasing the bag and throwing big money down on social media. You kind of saw this whole thing transfer over. So just tell us how you got your start and, and how you've kept that going. Yeah, for sure. Before we sold out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So, you know, right out of college, I did a regular business degree. Um, and so I did an internship short, shortly after, summer after college. And it was general, you know, marketing, management, all business stuff. So I was still trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Uh, even though I really enjoyed like my advertising marketing classes uh, throughout the degree. Um, so after that, uh, kind of like internship of general marketing and business stuff, uh, came back, started working with some small businesses in the community while I was looking for a full-time gig, uh, you know, setting up their social accounts, reputation management, creating some content, which back then was basically just taking pictures and putting them on the internet. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a good, like kind of intro to working with brands. Um, then my first full-time role was with a San Antonio, Texas-based hospitality group. So they had several Hilton properties, so Hilton, Embassy Suites, that sort of thing. Um, and it was a general marketing role that I'd applied for. Uh, I think it was digital marketing manager. Um, but I knew that I was really intrigued by the social aspect of things. Always, you know, early on Twitter, on Facebook, way too much, Instagram when it came out. So I was really excited about that part of um, about the role. So the great thing about travel and hospitality is because people are usually always aspiring to, you know, take another trip or take a get, make a getaway, you get to engage with them in a very natural, like exciting way that like they're wanting to be there, wanting to engage with you, create like that personal connection. Um, so, you know, learned a lot over there with that team, learned a lot about hospitality hotels. Uh, we were located right on the San Antonio Riverwalk. So it was a great community to work with. Um won some awards as well, you know, tried really hard, did well. Um, you know, since then, it's been all about building that personal connection with followers uh, in the rest of my roles. So, you know, you have an idea of who's most engaged, like on your channels, uh, you know, they keep popping up, they like, and they comment on all your photos, um, really asking them, like bringing them into the fold of for your marketing, you know, getting the audience involved in it in a very organic way. I think that produced like a lot of great results for me, made some great friends out of it too. Um, and now, you know, really just consulting for retail, hospitality, food and beverage. Uh, most recently worked with a home decor brand, MBG Home. So yeah, it's been, it's been a lot, uh, but learned a lot along the way as well. So I want to get back to you on that about asking your audience, because Jess and I, we talk about this all the time, and we will derail this podcast for the next 15 minutes if we we go straight to that. So we're going to we're going to hold that thought. Um, but important question to go along with that is we ask all of our guests when they come on, you know, we work in such a creative industry, we're trying to pump out content, we're trying to be creative at the same time, we're trying to hit ROI, trying to hit KPIs, we're doing things with shortened staffs, so like so many instances right now that I feel like almost could potentially go against creativity. So when you're trying to stay creative, how do you get unstuck creatively working in this marketing world? Oh, totally. 
I feel like a lot of what we do is it's not just writer's block or it's not just creativity block. I feel like there's like this, it's like this culmination of like having to create, having to like communicate. Um, so there's like various aspects to it. So I would, I had a, I'll lead that off with a quote I learned from like a previous supervisor. And he had once said, some of the best ideas are improved versions of ideas that already exist. So I think about that several times a week still. And I probably learned this 10 years ago. Um, so really what I do is, you know, if I'm feeling stuck, I'll get on, you know, competitor social media. Like if there's some brands out there that I know, like we're in the same industry or maybe even not, uh, but I really admire their work. I'll just get on their feed, see how they're posting. Like, how are they communicating with their like audience, the type of content they're creating? I feel like you get so many ideas from what's around you and you kind of just like, it's like osmosis, right? So you're just in it. And then like, it kind of just soaks in without you realizing it. So yeah, I feel like that helps the creative process, gets the juices flowing. It's like, and maybe if you can't, you know, exactly, you don't want to exactly copy any content, but it's like, oh, I know how to like lend this type of like format for my brand. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's really just going to the people and the brands that like you respect and like are in your industry and can help you like kind of get you out of that creative funk. I love that. I don't know, just do you have any just go-to brands that you just, when you feel like you need to like check out like what's what's modern in social media, what's modern digital that you go to right away? Apple. Yes, Apple's a big one. Um, and then there's just so many subsidiaries of it too, because you talk B2B, consumer, or seasonal, like there's so many different directions they could go. Definitely. Uh, but I, to Zane's point, I love to also looking just at uh, different industries and finding creative inspiration there. So, uh, I mean, recently I've been just heavily involved with healthcare, just given what I've been through. So I'm now looking more uh, at healthcare brands from like a marketing perspective. And I'm, I'm finding inspiration there, especially as it pertains to communicating and engaging the customers. And, you know, one that I liked in your world, Zane, that, that I've always referenced more from a creative standpoint um, and just how they, they navigate their ads is MGM Resorts because they own so much. And you think about, you know, we think MGM Vegas, of course, but there's just so much that's happening. There's like sports, there's consumers, there's B2B partnerships, there's your seasonal specials. Like there's just like so much that is encompassed. But I think to all the points, I, I really like what you bring up here, Zane, because there's some type of architecture you can take from all these verticals and all these ads that it could just be a color scheme. You know, it could, it may not be the message or the ad itself. There just might be something there that you're like, Hey, we could utilize this. Oh yeah, totally. I feel like so much of my camera roll on my phone is just screenshots of like ads from random companies that I'm like, Oh, we can, I can use that format. Like I can change it up a little bit and make it fun. Uh, yeah, definitely a great way to go. So big reason we have you here today, Zane, we're talking some seasonality in social media. We're, again, still in summer, but we're going to talk some summer to fall, too. Um, so let's talk about your time handling hospitality travel. What What is the summer season like for somebody in your shoes? You know, there's obviously, you know, I would expect a lot of summer travel that happens. There's um, you know, times during that season before school starts, after school starts, kind of curious how you tackle that in your head. Yeah, for sure. I think being in hospitality for on, basically on and off for like the last 10-ish years, 
Um, you know, summer is still definitely the heavy travel season, even coming out of the pandemic and all that. Um, you have a lot of family reunions, right? You have a lot of people getting together to celebrate, um, kind of enjoy life. You know, we gear up like from January through spring to like really ensure summer is optimized, really getting hotel bookings, getting getting that traffic on the website through social. Uh, I feel like that's like when people are planning. So let's say, you know, March through April, May, they're planning their summer travel, especially if it's domestic travel. Um, two to three months is usually a good amount of time to plan. Um, yeah, so I would say really thinking about summer right when January hits, what are we gonna do? What is our big campaign messaging? Um, you know, targeting people both in and out of state. Uh, and then, you know, when you get into summer, so May, June, everyone's getting off of school. They're starting to take some more time off of work. Um, I feel like most people already have their big trips planned for the season, uh, but you still have those like quick weekend getaways that people want to get away for, uh, looking for an escape. And that's mostly going to be your drive market. So within two to 300 miles, at least in Texas, I mean, just going from San Antonio to Dallas takes is like almost 300 miles. So it's just a, you know, a quick four hours. Um, but, you know, working with hotel partners to see which days and weeks, weekends are like kind of not as busy as the rest throughout summer. So that's kind of more on the spot decision-making. So you're maybe three weeks out and you're like, okay, we have a lot of vacancies, like the weekend of, you know, the last weekend of say July um, and really targeting those, getting some great deals on websites and social, getting some traffic, getting some eyeballs um, to be like, oh yeah, we, we have some big vacations planned, but we can go to Houston or we can go to San Antonio for a weekend. It's a really good deal kind of makes sense. So yeah, I think there's that pre-planning phase and like the heavy like lifting, like right before summer starts, uh, March, April, May. And then you have like those quick one-offs um, like during the summer where you just need to get some hotel rooms filled or get some people on flights. So yeah, that's kind of what it's looked like, uh, you know, throughout my career so far. That's something too, that's knowing your market. So you talk about dry, driving. Um, if you live in Texas, you know the market that driving to San Antonio, like it could seem like it's far, three and a half hours, but um, people in Houston specifically, they're so in tune with driving. Like that's just, that's the mode of transportation. We don't, you, you know, we don't, we don't have um, subways, there's not mass transit, like people commute an hour and a half into work, an hour and a half back. So driving is is more, um, you know, normal to have those weekends. So you kind of know your audience, you style it around there where I moved to Pittsburgh. And one thing that was kind of caught me off guard at first is if I have to travel somewhere, it's an hour, people are like, that's a long way. And I'm like, no, that's just like a, a drive to work for me. So like, it's kind of like knowing your audience too, that you're trying to hit your drive audience during the summer. It sounds like, um, you know, you start that planning early for summer vacations all the way back in January. And it sounds like um, you're almost segmenting your message that you're sending out by these different time frames. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's kind of, when you're in that January, February, March, you're trying to get people that are going to come down to town for a week or so, you know, like that's going to be their big trip. You're trying to convince them that, you know, my time in visit Houston, like this is the place there's enough to do for a week here. You can entertain the kids. You can entertain the grandparents, obviously the parents, um, there's something for everybody. So you're trying to tell that story, that messaging over those two, three months that you're hitting it heavy. So let's talk about that. You know, coming into Houston, event marketing, there's a lot going on, big, small, medium, everything in between. Uh, do you, uh, to do this, you know, 
I'm not an event marketer. I know Zane, you probably learned a lot about event marketing in your role. Um, but basically, you know, I've been asked to do social media event planning. I'd never done it before till I did it before. So is there almost a strategy once you get into that season and you're trying to encompass everything in Houston and what that entails? And, and does that does that at all differ, you know, from what you're doing at Visit Houston when you start going specific event by event? Yeah, no, that's a great question. The way I kind of broke it up is I, I try to create formulas, you know, and social people don't think too much about numbers unless it comes down to like, how many likes do we get? Or what's our conversion rate? I feel like when you're, the way I made it is I felt like Houston was really good at a few things. I feel like tons of outdoor space, um, great food scene, uh, beautiful views all around the city, that sort of thing. So I, I would create a formula for our social media, you know, like we want to touch on almost like a pattern, like let's post about some great food story from this week or like great restaurant or a pop-up that's coming up or some skyline shots to show the beauty of the city. Let's show off the green spaces, that sort of thing. And then all, obviously Houston has a huge museum, like culture, a lot of arts and culture. So like trying to touch on all of those subjects to give a little taste of what the city is to everybody. Um, during the summer, I would kind of exclude the outdoor activities just because I don't know if you've looked at the temperature lately. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's toasty in Texas during summer. But um, yeah, so event-based, like really trying to break it into a formula so that you give love to all the, you know, the great things that make a city amazing, make it worth visiting for a week. You know, we're trying to convince people that Houston is somewhere you can visit and like take up a lot of time and have great experience. So yeah, I would say formulate, formulate it. <laughs> and Zane, do you find that there is a different point of view or emotional benefit with these customers that you are trying to reach for the 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 big trips, the extended journeys versus the the weekend getaways? Yeah, for sure. I think there's storytelling in both, uh, but I feel like you're trying to tell a more like a comprehensive story for like, you know, the people that are like planning a week long vacation. We want to show them it. Yeah, it's hot, but there's a ton of things to do indoors. There's tons of green spaces to enjoy in the mornings. There's a great food culture that could like keep you busy the entire week. Um, so really showing the emotions that people have. Like we did a video campaign where, you know, we sent out our videographer at the time and he would go film people at all these destinations to really capture that emotion. Um, and then that's kind of like the more long tail planning, whereas the short weekend trips, it's like, oh, here's a guide, you know, like 36 hours in Houston, you can get here Friday night, you have all day Saturday and half day Sunday, like, here's your guide to like, get here, not think about anything, do the things and then, you know, get back to normal life. So yeah, storytelling on both sides of it, but definitely more comprehensive, you know, for the trying to get a whole family to come down here for a week. That's, it's a lot of economic value in that. You know, Zane, inadvertently, you know, using that emotional appeal about the, like the good eats and drinks and whatnot, um, uh, th this was pre-fiance Kristen when I was living in Houston, but inadvertently, I actually used your suggestions off Visit Houston and pop up on the blog um, for some of my dating experiences. So, hey, there is another like emotional aspect right there to what she could provide on social media. Wow, we... You just put a smile on my face. Uh, all the work I did amounted to something. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you know, and here's the best part. We'll all get a laugh out of this in social media. 
that experience right there created some net positive ROI for the places that I used. But if you're grading me by last click attribution, there's no attribution there. <laughs> you just got to believe it works. You know, I don't know if I even engaged on the post, uh, but it still worked. It still got some ROI. There you go. You know, we can't measure everything, but if someone's getting some value out of it, we'll see it down the road, you know, pop up in some numbers somewhere. But yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, let's shed some light into talking about the look and feel of assets. So you talked a lot about hitting on emotions. So you're talking about people that are spending a week in Houston. We're talking about people for some quick experiences on the weekend, drive markets. Uh, UGC was a big thing we tried to put into play in Space Center Houston. So I really wanted to rethink how we were doing photography when we're talking about getting travelers coming in. I felt like I needed more people to see themselves. I also wanted to reward people for using our hashtags. So I tried to, in a weird way, and this isn't always the easiest co conversation in a creative circle, is I wanted to make our feel less produced. I was like, how can we be professional but less produced? And I, I'm curious your thoughts as you're trying to appeal to emotion and utilizing these platforms properly, what was your style to get people in the door? Yeah, I think you made a great point. Like I feel, you know, like in the early days of social, you know, the early 2010s up until you know 2016 17 I feel like that produced look was like oh it's like a movie or like a tv show and like this advertisement's trying to appeal to me and really I feel like 2017 2018 things really changed where it's like that more organic like not overly produced look is just like really took over um, and I feel like that's just even more so the case now with everybody creating content especially video content uh, you know at their fingertips uh, but you know, when we were planning our summer campaigns, uh, for me, it was all about bringing the season to them. So maybe they're in New York and it's March and it's just about to maybe start warming up. Uh, I want to start getting some content out there that was like your poolside, you're enjoying a beverage, you know, you got plans for the day, you have AC inside. Um, so really bringing the season to the people before they've even planned the trip, get them in that mode that that's what they want to do. Um, show the summer vibes by the pool you know, light summery meals, refreshing beverages, that sort of thing was always kind of like the go-to for me. Because if you're planning, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see a city how it is in winter. You want to see it how, how it is in summer if you're planning to go there. Um, yeah, so I would say bring the season to people, give them the experience before they even get there. Give them a taste of it at least, right? If you show too much, maybe they feel like they've already experienced it. They can consider a different destination or hotel, what have you. Uh, but yeah, giving them enough of a taste of it, uh, I would say is the best way. And I got to thinking about this, Jess, because when I wrote this question out to ask to you, Zane, there was actually my agency days where I critiqued an account um, because we're doing summer, you know, springtime marketing, and there was people in sweaters in the imagery. And I was like, start over. I was like, we can't do this. Like, it has to relate to right now. And sometimes it's just kind of the Jedi mind trick but it's actually something I haven't looked for in a while. You know, I like kicked myself, Jess. I was like, am I consulting lately? I haven't been looking for this. And I used to be really keen eye on this. It's because of the industry we worked in. So kind of was like a, a reminder to me. I'm going to start marking that down just as we're looking at accounts, making suggestions that does the seasonality look correct in the time frame we're running these ads? 
This makes me think about uh, one of the the big blockbuster releases this summer with Barbie, and just the, the the visuals are such a key aspect. And it's and I haven't seen the movie yet, but it just from everything that I've seen visually, it seems like it's really portraying a summer vibe. And I think that's playing into the way people are consuming the content and going to the theater and dressing a certain way. I mean, this it's it's not it's not a winter movie. Let's just put it that way. I mean, it's Barbie everywhere right now. TikTok, it's Barbie. Facebook, it's Barbie. I've seen LinkedIn stuff on Barbie. Like, if I were a company, and this is something that. I haven't done a ton of, but just piggybacking off this, like there, you get this window of opportunity in social and, and saying, you definitely uh, know about this. It's like you get the window and he might get that window for a short span, but once it's gone, it's gone. And I feel like we've become so dependent on spending money and targeting that we've almost forgot what that window was like. Like in the, in 2012, 2014 saying we didn't have anything to rely on. We just tried to hit something in that window and be relevant for that time. Yeah, totally agreed. I feel like, you know, something, I think something went viral, like a couple of, I think it was last summer and I was talking to a buddy and I was like, Oh, these guys are popular right now. I guess that'll last about 48 hours. And I kid you not, like within 48 to 72 hours, it wasn't trendy anymore. Um, yes, it was the Island Boys, I remember now. Uh, so you have like such short windows, attention spans keep getting shorter. It's like, yeah, you got to hit it right then. You can't schedule it out if it's Monday for Friday. Like if it's happening now, you got to get the content out, figure it out, like rescheduling later. But you're you're right. Let's completely flip your mindset now because you've talked about some of the different ways you've dabbled in social media. Let's talk about NBG Home and dealing with e-commerce uh, seasonally there. So you hit summer. Um, we talk about budgeting. We talk about ROI. Talk about how you flight summer. Is summer, you know, different in the e-commerce world and, and what you dealt with uh, maybe in hospitality and tourism? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was a awakening, you know, like throughout my career, it's always been like, oh, summer's the season we're targeting a little bit of winter here and there. Um, but really, there's a definitely there's a method to the madness uh, during summer. So from the e-commerce perspective, you have Prime Day in summer. And then obviously all the other big box stores have jumped on to create their own type of Prime Day, Walmart, Target, uh, even Home Depot, that sort of thing. So that's the big target for summer. Uh, a lot of people are not, they're really focusing on doing experiences during the summer, especially after COVID. Uh, we've been cooped inside for so long that whatever it was before, I feel like has doubled. Um, so in summer, you're targeting prime day, that sort of thing. And then in winter, obviously a huge e-commerce season. Um, but in summer, it's like a catch-all. So people are thinking about their living spaces, bedrooms, bathrooms, that sort of thing. Uh, what's on sale, what's a good deal right now, especially during Prime Day, everything looks like a great deal. Um, also, it's a great time to liquidate products. You don't plan on bringing back for more production runs. So if you're trying to like just get rid of a lot of product, you know, discount it heavily or make it look that way at least, throw it up on Prime Day and hopefully you'll, you know, you flush out a lot of inventory that you can free up space to bring more stuff in, you know, for fall and winter uh, when it's really heavy e-commerce season. Um, you know, towards the end of summer, you know, you're downhill into the holiday season, which is big for hosting. So people don't usually gift home decor during the holidays. 
so it's all about the guest rooms, dining rooms, entertaining spaces, bar carts, extra seating, that sort of thing. And this is stuff that I hadn't really thought about before, but you know, when you think about it, it makes sense. Um, really hone in on new products in the winter time to build like customers and reviews because then you're thinking about like the spring refresh, right? Like, so right after winter, holidays are over a few months later, it's time for spring, people are spring cleaning. So they also want to change some things around their house. So that's also a point where you can bring in some like tried and true items that you've kind of released over four or five months, built some reviews for. So yeah, it's an interesting cycle, different than hospitality. Um, yeah, e-commerce has been, it's been a lot of learning. What I hear a lot from you though on both Zane is you aren't getting to like a couple weeks before and being like, oh crap, we have to do this seasonal thing. Like you're having to like really think of this way out in advance to be able to flight for when it gets here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, going back, touching back on my visit Houston days, when we were doing ads for summer, it was probably February where we were making the imagery February, March, where it's still kind of cool. And we were having, you know, like our, the people, the subjects in the ads, they were wearing shorts and like t-shirts and it's like maybe like 50 degrees outside. And it's like, we have to make it look like summer guys. Um, you know, the Barbie effect. <laughs> yeah. And we know, you know, with uh, our friends in Houston, 50 degrees, just that could be like Arctic cold. So just for like reference there, because, you know, I, I have some friends that, you know, since I moved up here, that would probably wear shorts when it's 50 degrees by choice. Yeah, exactly. I, I should have put that caveat. 50 degrees in Houston is really cold. It's yes. really, really cold. Yes. Especially, I mean, if the humidity is kicking in a little harder, there, there's a big difference between cold and humid cold. So if you get humid cold at like 40, it could actually feel a little bit colder, but it's uh, it, it's still a different framing of cold um, in Houston. Um, talking about Putting this all together, Zane, we're talking about pay, we're talking about organic. Uh, I feel like Jess and I will consult companies and it's almost like if we talk organic, we talk paid, it's almost like completely different teams, the way that social has gone now, or, you know, it's, it's person that specializes in one, but not the other. You know, I feel like the way that um, we learned in early days, it was just kind of, it was just social media. Like, you know, we kind of just like put it all together. And I think it's like framed up in so many different ways. Uh, something that I would love to encourage for, you know, some of the younger listeners on this podcast is to try and challenge yourself to learn both. And if it's both isn't under your title, you know, go out and just practice, you know, with, maybe some freelance or take some certifications, learn from some influencers, whatever it is. Cause I don't know about you, but I feel like it's helped me so much just working on both sides of it that I'm able to kind of put the whole chessboard together because I know how all of them can combine into one. Oh yeah, totally. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that's one of the benefits from, you know, starting in the early days of social, you know, everything was just one thing, um, but it plays a huge role having organic and paid. Uh, firstly, you never want an ad to feel like an ad, right? So I feel like something that performs really well on organic, you could leverage for a paid ad. Um, I feel like some of the best ads or content do the same thing. Like they, they have like a purpose, right? They entertain, they educate, or they engage the audience. So yeah, organic and paid. I feel like as long as you're like providing value to the audience, you know, you build that trust um, on both, you know, both ways. Uh, people, 
and I learned something or heard something like just not too long ago. And it's like, people don't buy from brands. They buy from other people. So mm-hmm. you know, make it feel organic. Don't be for lack of a better term, too thirsty, right. Overselling. Um, and that I feel like just makes it all the more engaging. Yeah. And that's, uh, just as part of your challenge to me to become a theme park influencer. So just as like offered that I would be good at a second career if I was a theme park influencer and told people why these roller coasters were awesome and then documented my trips, because we're big theme park people um, here. We do these like little road trips around. But, you know, I was like, you know, like filming myself and talking about all the fun facts and everything. Why well, should ride it? And I'd be like, that would be great. But I get too excited. Like, I, I can't keep like my phone and video. I, w- I wouldn't put it all together. And that's just why. I think the influencer game, Zane, is just incredible what we see right now and why they want to buy from people uh, because they're they're doing high-level Jedi mind trick marketing that is without any type of playbook. And that's why I think that the whole influencer game, the macro ones, are getting paid what they do. And I don't dispute it at all because what they're doing and the revenue that they bring in with their Jedi mind tricks is extremely impressive. It's not something I'm sure I have in my talent bank. Well, if anyone's going to be a theme park influencer, it is you, Andy. I totally agree with Jess on that. Yes. I mean, one of these days. Yeah, in in social, it's tough, right? When we get a moment away from our phones and stuff, we just we want to take that moment away from the phone. So yes. can't blame you. Well, a few more questions, Zane. So. I want to take it back. We'd be remiss. We didn't talk about 2019, uh, where you launched this epic uh, seasonal summer campaign. Um, Long story short, it's Space Center Houston, um, City of Houston, celebration, 50 years since the moon landing. We get one shot at this. Maybe we get another shot when we're 100, but I'll probably be out of the social media game when I'm 100 um, or, or the 100th anniversary. So I guess 50 years. I won't be 100, but I'll, I'll be up there close enough. Um, so we get one shot at the city-long celebration saying, like, it's, visit Houston. You had a lot of pressure because you're encompassing not like one place, two places. You're trying to cover an entire city with a celebration. And you come up with this spacey Casey mascot where you actually were the mascot at times um, and do this promotion around UGC incorporating in the space center incorporating the restaurants like everywhere like just take us through this because when you came to us with this idea I was like that's genius right there I remember shaking my head I was like yeah like this this is gonna cover some ground and putting a character to the celebration I just had never been in a room where somebody was talking about this. Like, I just, I just was kind of like soaking it all in each week when this was coming about. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And thank you for the compliments, but that was a huge team effort. Um, yeah, that was, I still sweat thinking about those days in that spacesuit, Andy, I, I still do. Um, but really that all started, you know, it obviously came up, you kind of set it up perfectly that we had to do something big for this 50th anniversary of the moon landing, show Houston's connection to space travel and the universe, all all those big things. Um, you know, and we were in a room and our PR team was there, social, uh, paid ad team, uh, performance marketing, all that. And, you know, PR team had some great ideas like, oh, we're going to wrap like a United Airlines plane, like to make it look like a spaceship and we'll fly it from like New York to uh to Houston with some astronauts on board and like 
huge big ideas and from the social aspect we were like okay how can we complement this um and I was talking with Adrian at the time he was on the social team also our videographer and um I would say he was the first one that was like what if we get a mascot and then we were like okay cool like that could work um we're talking through it a little bit didn't really get off the ground okay cool and then he ends up coming to my office like after our big meeting and he's like I really think this could be something and I was like I think it could too I think you're right so you know we had a meeting the following week with our whole team and it's like hey like we really think we can do this like we can get somebody in a suit and like show this space cadet you know experiencing Houston for everything it is while they're training to go to the moon you know this is the storyline and again didn't get off the, too off the ground it's like eh, that's not really gonna be big enough whatever it's like okay great and then really you know we had another uh debrief Adrian and I and we were like nah we really this could really be something we can put the character in any situation experience it like a normal person people can see themselves in Spacey Casey you know experiencing the city so we finally wore them down in the third meeting <laughs> got a small budget to get a suit made from a local um from a local maker uh really tell that story of Houston how we're so resourceful and yeah the rest is kind of history um we were having to reach out to a lot of like restaurants like our close partners to be like hey we want to launch this like Spacey Casey like character they're going to experience Houston. They're going to show off everything that's great about the city, the restaurants, the attractions, um, the outdoor spaces, everything. And, you know, we had some great partners that were like, yeah, sure. Bring Spacey Casey through. We'll give you a room, do whatever you need to do, do your filming. And it was like basically two minute episodes of Spacey Casey doing, you know, visiting a specific place each episode. Um, yeah. And then by the end of it, I think we got to 2022 20, episodes throughout the summer. We had a queue of businesses that wanted to invite Spacey Casey to come like record at it so you know going from a place where it's like we're begging our best friends to be like hey can we just record at your restaurant to you know having Johnson Space Center almost be okay with Spacey Casey uh coming on property uh yeah that was huge you know uh I would say it did exactly what we needed it to do because we wanted people to feel like Spacey Casey is just one of us you know experiencing the city for the first time and uncovering you know, all that's great about it, going on an adventure, uh, and also training to become a space cadet at the same time. So yeah, it, it told a story from a very organic perspective and kind of blew up because I feel like it was so unproduced. Yeah, we were making episodes, but it wasn't highly produced. It was just like Spacey Casey eating ice cream oh, or out for a walk in the park playing with ducks. Um, yeah, it's just, he was one of us. And let's also talk about, you know, Spacey Casey, I encompass so much uh, for all of Houston, but even, you know, you talk about like pitching us to management, talk about those metrics, like your impression share was through the roof. It helps Space Center, you know, we combine with Spacey Casey efforts for our particular celebration, um, but also mixed and match. We had the highest attendance we had ever had at the center for that one day. It's just, there was so much that came together, but you know, it's like a strategy. You're going to pitch this. You end up getting the metrics at the end that you need. But we didn't exactly have like to go to the drawing board and say, hey, if we do X, we're going to get Y conversions. You just went for a hunch and it worked. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those where you can't really set a KPI before that, before that type of campaign, just because it was so out of the box um, or out of the planet. Is, is that too much of a pun? Out of the solar system. 
out of the solar system. Yeah, so no predisposed KPIs. You know, we ended up making some so social channels and Instagram for Spacey Casey. Ended up with like 5,000 followers over a few months, which without any paid ads, I was very pleased with. Um, and then, you know, further along in the campaign, we ended up having some CTAs. So Spacey Casey would post an Instagram story and be like, hey, I'm going to be at, you know, party on the plaza this Thursday. If you want to meet me and take some pictures, like come out to the event and like you can RSVP. And we would get like two, 300 RSVPs and people would show up and like actually want to take pictures with Spacey Casey. So I feel like that engagement was a good, like measurable data. And also we were sending people to our, we were working with a lot of hotels. So they had specific or special space themed packages they were selling. Um, and so Spacey Casey's stories would, you know, send them to that landing page where they can book their rooms. Um, and we ended up booking like over a quarter million dollars worth of room revenue. Um, so those kind of things that we wouldn't have thought of before, it kind of just happened as we went, like, how can we make this organic, not salesy, but then also show value? Um, Spacey Casey traveled to California, went to New York, like a lot of miles traveled. Um, but yeah, so I think sometimes the KPIs, which are trying to measure show up after. Justin, I know you love this because we talk about so often on screen, off screen, just do it. Like if you got an idea, we want, you know, our social media folks, our man, you know, different management teams and, and customers we consult. A lot of times if we think the idea is good, it's just, just go out there and do it, see what happens. And then we can try to fine tune it as you go. But if you don't ever do it, you don't ever know. And I think this is a great instance, Jess, of what we always talk about. Uh, definitely. And, uh, and Zane, absolutely. Yes. And the the idea and and kept it going and that's what i love too it was not a a no or a no but but you you kept going with your collaborator and yes anding until you could get to that point where yeah let's let's get this prototype out there exactly uh i think that was one of the most fulfilling experiences of my career because it's like it's not been done before really right like some big, big, big brands have done mascots and that sort of thing, but we had never worked with anybody that had some insight into this or how to launch it. I mean, getting Spacey Casey, the launch was at a Houston Rockets game. We had a connection there and they were like, okay, you want to put a space guy out on the, out on the floor during halftime to like shoot out some shirts from a cannon. It's like, yes, that would be perfect. Like that would be the perfect like launch for this. Like he's just one of us or they're just one of us. Um, yeah. And then Yes, Andy, you're right. I was in the suit for the first three episodes before we had the funds to hire an actor. Yeah. Yes, my backpack broke while I was on the Rockets uh, arena floor. Yeah. And no. uh, it's dangling by my ankles and I'm trying to shoot shirts out of a cannon. That was something. No, I remember that really well because uh, just fun story here. Um, when he came to Space Center, there are certain areas you could just walk in, but there are certain areas if you're shooting footage, I basically had to be like a chaperone for like partners, influencers and whatnot. There are, you know, like employee areas. So there is one uh, shoot I distinctly remember Zane. We did it outside. Um, I want to say this was like June maybe. So we're already like in the 90 plus degrees range and you're in that suit and we're doing take after take after take on this open field where there's like no shade or anything just beating down in, on you on that suit. And I was like, this, this has got to be miserable right now, but it was rewarding in the end is what, what the crucial part was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once we got that proving ground and we were able to hire an actor, it was a godsend. Definitely. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I know we're closing in on time here, Zane. So um, once again, just a huge thank you uh, for joining us to the, today. Zane Bidiwala, if you're not following him on LinkedIn, be sure to follow him, a wealth of social media knowledge. And again, super thank you for incorporating me into this in the past, working together, a great social media all-star team. Um, I like to call it, you know, I think back just career, like the social media career, it's got roller coasters of ups and downs, but like the biggest, one of the biggest ups I had is when we partnered and we were in New York City on top of, a, um, I guess not a skyscraper, but on top of a very high building on a rooftop bar, like just enjoying the fruits of our labor. And I was like, man, like, you know, we might actually make a career out of this thing. So is uh, Zane and I up there uh, having a blast during that promotion. So again, just thank you for everything. Keep tabs, you know, as the social media career goes on. And uh, we learned a lot today just hearing you talk through all of these different campaigns that you've done. Yeah, for sure. No, it was a pleasure working with you on that campaign, Andy. And thanks so much for having me out, Jess, Andy. Um, really appreciate it. And I think the one parting advice is just try it. Just try it. it. It'll work out. If you care enough, it'll work out. I love it. Thank you, Zane. Thanks, Thanks Zane. Have fun. Well, Jess, I love the parting note right there. Just try it. That's what that was our thing on this podcast. Like we just tried it and see what's going to happen. You know, I think we still are. You know, there's still a lot of levers we're always testing. So I think it's just so important to routinely hear that from marketers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting out there and doing it and uh, to an extent always being in a discovery phase. But I, I loved Zane's story and I am definitely going to post, we'll have to find the footage of Spacey Casey. Yes. Need to post it to this episode because that is just brilliant. And it's it, it actually sounds like version one or V1 of an influencer, if you yes. think about it. It really was very influencer marketing-esque. And I remember when it, when it was brought up, I, I was at that point struggling to find something that I could do a little bit out of like the normal because we always did normal posts, like new exhibit, new event, new this. And we got this big event coming up. We're trying to connect everything with the city of Houston. So like the hard thing is in these meetings. So we had Space Center Houston. We had Visit Houston. We also had other members uh, we had NASA in there. We just had a lot of different marketing teams. Like, and every marketing team has different messaging, different KPIs, different everything. It's so hard to find something that encompasses everything. And when he brought that to the table, I was like, we should, you know, let's let them lead. They got the idea. They got the oomph behind this. And it really just helped everything come together. Yes. And now I'm thinking, I'm messanding this. And speaking of uh, Zane's way of getting unstuck creatively, for you, Andy, you know, upcoming influencer at these theme parks, I'm yeah. thinking you and Kristen, you need to be like a mascot or an alter ego. Yeah. And then and that's, that's who the we way are. that you're going to, yeah, stand out. So we actually had, you know, it's funny you bring that up. So <laughs> you're not the only one thinking about this theme park uh, secondary career. We had one of our coaches at the gym we both go to come up to us. And she was like, I have a great idea for both of you. And she was like, I hate going to theme parks, but my kids love it. And she said that we should invent an app where we babysit kids and take them to theme parks and are their chaperone and I was, 
It's like, that sounds like I would need to be paid a lot to do that first off. But second off, I was like, there might actually be a market for this. So I was like, well, that's another business opportunity. Combine it with our influencing, you know, hey, you could do something. There you go. What the, the alter egos, we're going to take your kids to these theme parks and they're yes. going to have a good time. They're going to have a great time. We're going to make sure that, not, you know, they aren't the ones like jumping over rails and, you know, like running through the, the park and acting nuts. Like we'll keep them under control. Uh, we'll make sure they have a good time. Maybe part of the packages, we help like buy them like Build-A-Bear or something like that. Like I think there's like a whole avenue you could take here. Yes. There is something there. I am. There is no way I'm squashing this idea or inspiration. I I remember when I was in one of my entrepreneur classes, and we had to come up with ideas and come up with a business plan. And mine was at the time, convenience store delivery. You know, in in real time or any time during the day. And I remember my teachers and other students saying, oh, that that will never work. Like no one's going to order from a convenience store like at 10 p.m. at night and have beer delivered to them or well, or toiletries delivered to them. And yeah. now yeah. And now look where we're at. Well, oh, I think we should have pursued it. <laughs> well, no, you know what I, I think about on that too. So like, let's just take it through like a paid perspective. Like there's always just this, we're not sure this will not work. Like, I want to put a hat on, say, I'm a hypothetical uh, CMO, VP of marketing, whatever it may be. Something that I'm fighting for in this role is I'm giving my team a testing budget. So everyone's afraid about putting money into the pool and wasting money. But I need my team to test and try ideas out to see if it'll work. And there's no way you'll be able to tell unless you put it into action sometimes. And that's when we consult companies. Sometimes I find that that's tough is they just don't, they don't want to risk it because it's going to fall on them and they're going to be scared of risking it. So what if there was a comfortability built in from CMO, VP of marketing, there's this test budget, apply it to the test budget. It's not a high budget, put it into action, see if it works. We run it for this length of time. And then we convene again at the end of the duration and see if this becomes a main marketing message. If it loses, I just don't feel like there's as big of a loss for trying things as people make it out to be in our industry. Absolutely. Because then you learn from it and then you can, can capture what you need to move forward. So then you're, you're gaining a deeper understanding. And that's something else that I really picked up from Zane, which I like fully enjoyed, you know, talking about the customer mindset, like you could tell just based on everything that he was saying and the planning that went into all of the campaigns that he's launched during the summer that he knows his customer very well. He yep. knows their mindsets. He knows uh, their emotional drivers like he he's very close to them and that as we've talked about so many times and so many episodes is so key uh, if you really want to engage them and if you really want to know the customers so we listen to zane talk about asking 
the customer directly. Directly, We also talked to somebody like several months ago at the C-level um, rounds of Super Tim, and he talked about even at his stature, at his company, he's still asking customers one-to-one. And I think it's important to have that aspect because we look at these different fancy tools now. There's, you know, social media listening will give you like an attribution of what, you know, happy, sad is. There's surveys that get sent out. There's third-party research firms. There's all this stuff. But I feel like we're doing it at the peril of not asking our customers enough questions. And we all have the power to do that. You know, you and I do sessions. We can simply ask at the end, you know, what was his, what was most helpful? What is your greatest takeaway from this? You know, what are you looking to do with your marketing? Like just, just asking things. And I think that's something that is really important for all of us in marketing to, to get on and just ask those questions about what is the customer looking for? Mm-hmm. And if you really want to get over your fear, you can do something that I have done before. And I, let me tell you, I was very scared initially, but you really can just go out on the street and have a conversation with your customer and ask them directly. You're going to get a lot of no's, but there will be people that will stop and will share their story and it will pique your curiosity. And it's, it's, it's very exciting. Yes. And then it's, it's such an engaging, just, I think for the customer too, if we even take this like the B2B, they actually love being talked like talked to like that because they're just it's a natural like fluid conversation you're looking for feedback you want to see how you both can you know have that natural flow and, and benefit working together and it sometimes comes off a lot less harsh than like studying a survey you know so I, I think it's important to try to do that right yes a, a lot of people love that type of conversation because if you think about it you're coming in and you're you're really genuinely interested in the customer and you want to know their story and people love to share their stories and they love to feel like they're being listened to and being heard. Definitely. And, you know, you get that camaraderie going, the sky's the limit. You get really smart marketers in the room and they're listening to each other and and willing to explore ideas with each other. It, It goes so far Something Zane said too, um, where he pitched the idea, pitched it again, pitched it a third time, got it through. Um, you only accomplish getting a big campaign through if you feel confident that you can present it. I think there's so many marketers that don't feel confident they can even get like through the first layer of red tape, so they just never do it. So I would wager to say that there's thousands and thousands of ideas that are sitting on the table somewhere. And someone might present it to the company they're at right now and get it all the way through. Or somebody might hold that idea and they might wait for they get that moment to where they feel confident and they might hit it out of the park. But most of these like big ideas, especially with like e-commerce brands, uh, Barbie, things like that, there's some marketing person's probably been sitting on this idea for a long time. Like, I don't think that, I, I know it can happen, but I think for the most part, it just doesn't happen like overnight. Like they've been thinking about this, but they have to be confident enough to try to push it through to be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We 
We talk a lot about um, idea generation at Stanford. There's a lot of research that's been done on this. And I, I, I can tell you just from what I've learned and what I've seen uh, coming out of the D school, you need a thousand ideas in order for one of them to be commercially successful. So going back to the yes and going back to like, do not squash the ideas, continue to build on the ideas and, and thinking about them and just generate, generate, generate. Cause then that's when you're gonna get to that success. I love that. It's not one idea. Yep. No, I love that. I'm gonna, I need to start using that. That's like such a, a great just teaching and motivator. And it, it's true. You know, there's so many ideas that just pass through and out, pass through and out. And you get the one to stick. That's, you know, what can make or, or, or break a, not only a career, a campaign, a company. Like, you know, we've seen so many startups, they just catch on to something and then they're, huge companies, but a lot has to do with their marketing and how they're able to, to get that going. So we've got a kernel with you and Kristen right now. So we're thinking about, we're thinking about your, your mascot and we're thinking about taking kids or, or watching kids at these theme parks yes. and we can continue to build on that we're we'll going to yes and this i'm continue to build what this hypothetical scenario looks like um if you know anyone who knows how to build apps we'll probably need them for this because <laughs> i i do not know the first thing of how to build an app but um if they'd like to jump onto this project we'll welcome them yeah i'm, I'm thinking too you're gonna need some legal guidance oh, as well need a lot of legal guidance <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of stuff <laughs> to come into play with this um, but now that's, uh, that's about all the time we have for today, Jess. So wonderful tips, like just thinking this through, like everything that Zane said, I know I'm going to come out stronger in how I'm trying to present like summer marketing as we head into fall too. you know, some of these lessons, I think translate very well, um, pumpkin spice, Halloween costumes, like we'll be talking about that soon. Uh, <laughs> are you not a, a pumpkin spice person, Jess? I, 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 you know, you be you. I love it. I know. I, I, I love seasonality. I love like themes and what's happening during each season, but I, I am laughing because you're right. I mean, people are already thinking about it. It's our, the marketing is already out there and that, yeah. and, and like we said at the start of the show, like I am not ready for it, but Zane uh, disproved like the, yeah, my thought that you know I, I need to be ready for it. Like most people are ready for it. Yes, how you know it's funny because Halloween used to feel like this like four to five week buildup. Now it's like as soon as like Fourth of July ends, like I know in a few weeks that Pumpkin Spice and Halloween Superstore is going to open, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> when, when did this get it's gotten a lot more aggressive so um that'll be coming around the corner we can do some things with fall marketing for sure but i'll wait till it's close a little bit like actual fall before we get there so um but great episode once again just looking forward to keeping this momentum going and um as always you know just uh, a lot to to be taken away again so thank you for another good one yes thank you and we'll be back next week. So stick with us again. Uh, Making a Marketer Podcast, Marketing Podcast Network, Spotify, LinkedIn Live for live show, all these places. We'll be with you next week and we'll see you then. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.